Hey everyone, welcome to the Redeem Podcast. I'm Kurt and I'm here with my buddy, Brendan Saltvik. Good to be here. Yeah, man, I'm excited to talk. We are gonna go in depth for Romans one, two, three, might get a little bit into four, but just talking about what we've been talking about in our sermon series. And uh, for those that don't know you, Brendan, you introduce yourself. Well, I'm Brendan, I, I go to Redeem Church. Um, I've been a Christian since college, I got saved. And uh, I've been in ministry, and I'm currently a high school teacher. And, you know, I'm just a Bible nerd is what I am. So it's a good way uh, to describe you. Yeah, good way to, I mean, I think it would be worse. You know, be worse it, name for you. Yes, there, there are more yeah, worse I've names. I've heard worse names be. about you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, I'm a meme connoisseur. I like memes. Yeah, and you have, and you have your own podcast. I have my own podcast. Uh, if you would be interested or like to go with us in my podcast it's called theosis radio we're on apple podcast speaker and we go live on instagram we always go live and uh we talk about the bible we talk about just hard topics um right now we're doing a huge series on deconstructing secular secularism there's a word for you that's a mouthful um yeah talking about atheism how to defend your faith so if you guys want to check that out check out theosis radio at apple podcasts or speaker.com awesome and if you're watching on youtube He's also a weightlifter. I'm a runner. And I, you can notice the difference. I here. tell my students, my students ask me, do you lift weights, Mr. Saltvik? I'm like, of course not. I don't get these muscles from lifting weights. <laughs> I do underwater basket weaving. Uh, well, and what, and what we'll, what we'll do is you you can lift weights and I'll, we'll run a mile. And we'll I would die if we ran a mile. Cardio is my least favorite thing <laughs> of all time. So there it is. Well, as Redeemed Church, we have been going through the book of Romans, and you and I have been wanting to record this podcast anyway after yes. one of the sermons you and I got to talking, and we're excited to talk about this. But we've been talking, we've been going through the book of Romans, and I think Romans is very uh, interesting for the time and the place that we're living in. Um, and so um, it's kind of one of the things that we chose through it. It's, it's a, so it can be, some people call it a theological juggernaut. You know, it, it, it can be a theological it. tongue twister. And so we want to do these podcasts. I think we'll do a couple here where we kind of break it down further, more than just the where we have an open conversation rather than just a sermon. And so what are your thoughts on Romans? It's one of your favorite books. Uh, yeah, it is. And and truly, this is one of the books in the Bible. I mean, the Bible has literally changed the world. But this book in particular has changed Western history. I mm -hmm. mean, if you think back to the Protestant Reformation with Martin Luther, yeah. This is the book that inspired him to believe that you're saved by grace alone, that rediscovering yeah. of the ancient truth that the apostles and that Jesus quite honestly taught that you're saved by grace apart from work. So mm -hmm. this book is powerful and there's so much applicability to it. And it is so incredibly relevant for today. It's timeless. And Romans is a hard book. It's probably one of the most difficult books to grasp with because it's so offensive because it leaves no excuse that we have all fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3, Romans, 23. Yeah. Um, and Paul just, it, he makes this argument. It's kind of like a case. He's building this case, and he's really building the case. And this is the scandalous part. It's not just the Jews. It's not just the Gentiles. It's not just people back then, but it's also against us. So if you see Romans chapter 1, he's talking about how he's been called by Christ and that he's unashamed of the gospel. And he goes in about God's wrath. This mm -hmm. is what the, one of the headlines, the, what's called the fancy words, superscription, the headlines in the actual book, God's wrath against mankind, how God has given us over to our desires, over to our sin. And we essentially destroy ourselves in the pursuit of sin and idolatry. And it makes us 
less human. Mm -hmm. um, and then number two is God is righteous in his judgment. In other words, it's not just that God is wrathful and it's arbitrary, but he is right to judge. He's yep. right to be wrathful. And that's a hard one for us to swallow because we like to imagine God as this nice fuzzy and he is the line of Judah. Yes, he is the Lamb of God. He is gentle, but he is also the line of Judah. And then, of course, you have Paul laying out to the Jews that, or, well, Paul, I'm a Jew and I obey the law. And essentially, I go to church. I'm a part of a life group. I I don't do all the bad, immoral, non-Christian things. Better than most, right? Better than most. And Paul says, look, you guys are under condemnation because even you don't follow the law. Actually, the Gentiles yep. do a better job following the law than you. That's so true. You're, yeah. So religious people, basically Paul says in Romans chapter two, Romans chapter one, there's no moral difference between the priest and the prostitute. All have fallen short of the glory of God. You can basically sum up Romans chapter one, Romans chapter two in that way. Mm -hmm. um, there's no moral difference between the heterosexual man versus the homosexual man. All have fallen short of the glory of God. There's no moral difference between um, the person who steals and the person that thinks about stealing in their heart. All have fallen short of the glory of God. You are condemned. And Paul lays out this argument in Romans chapter 3. The reason why is the law doesn't justify you. It doesn't save you. It's the great MR. It's Romans 3.20 is that the law's purpose is to reveal sin. Mm -hmm. um, I actually will read it. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law will become conscious of sin. So the whole point of the law, and Paul's clear. Like As Christians, I think we get into this... Um, negative view of the law, like the law is a bad thing, we need to avoid it. No, the law is a good thing. It set this boundary of what is right and what is wrong, and the boundary and prevented God's people from destroying themselves before the coming of Christ. And it's still a good thing today because it's the great MRI machine. It reveals that you have cancer, but I can't cure you of cancer. All the way back in Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy 28, 29, and 30, Moses is like, man, you guys are going to follow the law and you're going to fail and you need a new heart to in order to hear and obey God, um, you need a heart change. You need heart transplant. You need heart surgery. You need the great surgeon. Yeah. And so the law can't save you. The law can't cure you of cancer. You need the great surgeon to cure you of cancer. Yeah. So that's basically Romans. Yeah. And, and what's interesting is when you look at the book of Romans in Romans 1, you're in the heart of secular society. Yes. And, and the church is uh, small but growing. And there seems yes. to be some success. He's saying that. People are hearing about your faith all around the world. And yet he goes back to the foundations of the gospel to start it and, off. And I think that's important to note because in particular in Rome at this time, this is after the time of Claudius, Emperor Claudius, who I actually did my whole history paper. Yeah, I thought I would never talk about Claudius, but here I am. You're actually, you're a history major. Yes. That's really, yeah. So my baby's history. Yeah. I mean, I'm a history nerd and a Bible nerd. Yeah. So there it is. But in the time of Claudius, there's this great, um, where Claudius expels the Jews from uh, the city of Rome. And actually the Jews returned. Um, this returning caused all this division, yeah. which caused Paul to write Romans. But the church underwent huge persecution from the time of Claudius, from the time of Nero afterwards. And so like we, we talk about like, wow, Christianity is really under attack. I mean, this what we're dealing with today in America is kid stuff. Yeah. Um, not, to, not to downplay persecution, not to downplay persecution worldwide. It's horrible. But I mean, it's kid stuff. Like they're impaling guys on spikes and lighting them on fire to light the streets of Rome. And it's important for us to realize that that our whole faith is built off of men and women who 
who built this in persecution. Yes, and Paul says you can be unashamed in the gospel in the sight of that persecution. I think you and I were talking about that, yeah. like how to have that balance of where where did these people? Because it is a historical fact, whether you're a Christian or not. These people went to brutal deaths. I mean, died really bad deaths in light of the testimony of Jesus Christ and proclaiming the king has come and will come again, that Jesus Christ is the real Caesar. He's the real emperor. Yeah. He rules and reigns. And that he is really, because when the Romans would give him a chance to repent, to uh, renounce Christ, they would they would have this Latin phrase called, uh, they would say, um, Kaiser Kurios. Caesar is Lord. Kurios is the Greek word for Lord. And the Christian would say, Yeshua Kurios. Mm -hmm. Jesus is Lord. And that was, in fact, saying that Jesus is not only equal to Caesar, but he's greater than Caesar. And so this is a, how, how, how did they get this brave and like unshakable faith and trust in the Lord? And it comes back to Romans chapter three, that the righteous shall live, or Romans chapter one, I'm unashamed of the gospel first given to the yep. Jew, to the Gentile, and that the righteous shall live by faith. It is by faith, by trusting in God, we are made righteous and God makes us righteous. And that's kind of like what Romans chapter three talks about, how God has justified us by his work on the mm -hmm. cross. That basically we are, it, it, Tim Keller says it best, is that we're so, we're so much worse than we ever thought, but we're so much more beloved and accepted than we ever dared hope for. Yep. And that's essentially the gospel. The gospel is, is that we deserve everything that Jesus got on the cross. And yet there's this great exchange. There's this great exchange where Jesus is treated as if we, as if he had done all the wrong things that he had sin literally come upon him, that he bears the wrath of God. And there's this exchange where God treats us as if we did everything Jesus did. And the verse you look at is 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who knew no sin to become sin so that we can become the righteousness in Christ. So that God, essentially the analogy I give is that, Jesus Christ defeats death, gets the Medal of Honor, and he pins that medal yeah. onto you. And and they treat, like, when you see a, a guy walking around with the Medal of Honor, they salute the medal. They, they salute the man regardless of the man. They salute the medal. And so every time you go in the presence of God, God looks at you as if you have done, that you have done everything Jesus has done. Mm -hmm. And there's this huge exchange well, that he's made you right. Yeah, and, and, and they're going off this. Thinking about not being ashamed of the gospel. And I think this is where many of us uh, get held back in today's world is, uh, you know, Kevin did a drop five um, from our church just about this. Uh, he felt like he was supposed to pray and share the gospel with somebody, but he felt like he didn't have his life in order to do it. Yeah. And so we, we live in what Martin Luther called this. We're both sinful and righteous at the same time. We live right. in a schoolism. And so it goes along with this freedom that we have to get to as a church and as believers, where we understand that it's by faith only that we are now in right standing with God. And when we get that fully, that it should lead us to sharing the gospel with those in need. Yeah. In, in a world like where it looks more like Rome. I mean, the United States looks more like Rome than most oh, places. Oh, 100%. You go into that. I mean, 100%. Build off this foundation. I, I would say to that too, is that it's, Satan's greatest trick that he'll ever play on you is that you have to clean yourself up before you come into God's presence yep. and make yourself right so that you can go and you can be a good Christian. Because if that's the standard, nobody can go and evangelize. Nobody. Me, yep. you, person watching us on the screen, random person down the street right now in Lakewood, 
nobody would be qualified to minister. God picks the foolish things and yeah. the things that are broken in this world, not because that they're really good and really moral and upright. Like that's his point, Romans chapter two. Yeah. If you think that, if you, and, and I, I hope your friend realizes this, if he's successful in making himself righteous and good, and so that he can go out and minister, he's not going to give, he's going to take the credit for himself because he did the work. He's not going to give the credit to God. Yeah. God picks the foolish things in this world so they cannot take credit so that he gets all the glory. Yeah. Um, and he confounds the wise. And they wonder, and people wonder, okay, God's picking the foolish things and it's coming in a way that we never saw. It's so counterintuitive. There must be something different about this Jesus guy. There must be something different about this particular religion. And that turned the whole Roman world Upside down. I yes. mean, you see people, lifelong pagans, who thought Christianity was foolish. I mean, they thought it was a form of atheism because they're like, well, there's no there's no temple. There's no high priest. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, there's no temple. We are the temple and yeah. no high priest. The high priest sits at the right hand of the father. And so they thought it was a form of atheism. Yeah. And then they realized through the witness and the testimony of these people who were not perfect. The early Christians were not. Paul was not perfect. Uh, Peter was definitely not perfect. None of these guys, none of these women were perfect. And yet through their testimony, these people came to faith. God picks imperfect vessels to point back to him who is perfect. Uh, don't look at the potter look, or don't look at the clay. Look at the potter. Yeah. And, and, and going off that, I think the biggest thing for us is as we think about don't be ashamed of the gospel is right after it, it, it says, because the God, the gospel is actually the power of God. And we don't, we don't think about that, but, we actually are carrying a story that is so much greater than anything that we're going to say, anything that we're, how we're going to present it, uh, how we're going to uh, point out the sin in their life. Although important is to make sure that people know that there is a wrath, that there is a God who uh, has by simply having faith and, and believing and trusting with your whole life, the God of the universe, Jesus Christ, that you are now right standing with them. Yeah. But we don't come at it with the power. Does that make sense? That we don't yeah. think of it as God's power. Well, it even says here, it's one of my favorite verses in Romans is Romans 3.25. God presented himself, oh, sorry, verse 24. And all are justified freely by his grace and redemption that came by Jesus mm -hmm. Christ. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance, he had left his sins committed beforehand unpunished. And the with the author of Romans, what Paul's referring to is the mercy seat, mercy seat in the temple. Yeah. That when it talks about that Christ, it basically sits on the mercy seat. It, and I forget the Greek verbiage that they use, but basically that Paul's referring back to the mercy seat and that when Christ sits on the mercy seat, he's essentially becoming the spotless lamb, that sacrifice that is not only casting sin away, but also cleansing sin. So he bears the wrath of God. He bears the punishment. But he's also the scapegoat. And the scapegoat was the thing the high priest would put their hand um, on the goat and they would transmit or or exchange the sin of the people and the sin of the Israelites to the goat and then cast the goat out. Mm -hmm. So when you become a believer, sin in the presence of God, your sin in the presence of God and in your presence is legally gone. Mm -hmm. It is gone. God doesn't treat you legally as a sinner. Now, you still have sin. You can still live in sin. You can still do sinful things, but that's no longer the song and dance and your identity anymore. You're legally and by God's law, you are justified yep. um, because of the work of Christ. Now, 
that begs the question, well, that's good news. Yeah. But it's only good news because there's bad news. And so the power of the gospel is, is that we're saved by grace and that we're so beloved and accepted by him. And he 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 would he is so glad to die for you, so glad to have you in his family. But there's also something that he's saving us from, and it's his wrath. And really the scary thing about God's wrath, it's not, it's not like him shooting thunderbolts at us or you know, it's not like Indiana Jones where the guy his face is melting off when yeah. he looks in the ark or people exploding. It's not that. Like that's Hollywood. Romans chapter one lays it out pretty close or uh, pretty, pretty poignantly, I would say, is that he gives them over to their desires. And so the worst thing about God's wrath is that he gives you over to your sin and says, yeah, go live your life. If you don't want to be abide in me and be in relationship with me, go live your life. But sin will ultimately destroy you. Yeah. It will destroy your relationships. It will destroy your finances. It will eventually take your life um, because the enemy came to kill, steal, and destroy. Yeah. Um, referenced back to what Jesus says in the Gospel of John. And and he gets real specific here. I yeah. mean, he talks about, you know, this is something that makes me sweat when I talk about yeah. it because in our culture, homosexuality. Like he talks about men and women who, men who burn for less for other men and women who burn for less for other women. He's like, that's a sin. That brings you under judgment. He talks about not just homosexuality, and I don't want to sound like that's uniquely yeah. wrong, but pride, lust, greed, uh, idolatry, any of these things brings you under judgment, um, which causes you, Romans 3.23, to be fallen short of the glory of God. Yep. yep. And, so. and, and one of the things is, is that we're heading into, uh, we've entered into a culture, specific, specifically here in the Pacific Northwest, where uh, um, I don't I don't even know how to say it, but we are heading into a thing where people don't even think about this, right? Yeah. People might be spiritual. Um, you know, we, we live in a culture with I think that I think the latest data I saw, and don't quote me on this, but I think it's twenty six percent of people have faith. So that's all faith: Judaism, uh, Muslim, uh, Christian. It's not higher. Well, yeah, no, that that have the faith, and then it's like only eighteen percent of them are Christian out of that. Um, but that think about that. So the majority of people aren't even thinking like this. Does that make sense? Yeah. It you get a lot of people too who will say, Well, I like to be spiritual, but I'm not religious. Yeah. I don't like institutional religion, but I, I like spirituality, you know, astrology and yeah. the crystals and all that stuff. And it's you know, it's kind of diverting back to Rome because that's pagan stuff. That's yeah. what the pagans did. Yeah. I mean, we're we're going back to neo-paganism. Um, but, and, then, and then we have this 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 challenge too of distraction as well, right? As far oh, yeah. as I mean, as far as not even you have the spiritual side, and you have these people that you can be so distracted that you don't even reflect on the meaning of life or your moral consciousness in general. Yeah. I mean, think about I mean even even people who weren't Christian back in the founding fathers of our day in, in America. It was just they would get together and they would debate great moral conversations. Right? Well, it was much more communal. Yeah, much much more uh, your much more community based, yeah. much more under shame culture. Where we live in such a highly individualized culture. Yeah, um, you know we're constantly on our cell phone. We're constantly exactly. alone, and and we say the best thing for you is what you determine is good for you. Exactly, what you think will make you what makes your life good, and what will make you feel good and will make you feel more like yourself. It's more important to be yourself more than anything else, which is by the way, so radically different from what culture, other cultures to say, like if you go to the Islamic world or you go to anywhere else really, that's not in the West, 
they would say, no, no, no. The most important thing you do is your duty and your and your family's honor. Yeah. Um, your identity is surrounded in that. Whereas, you know, in our world, it's like you define who you are. Yep. Uh, and there, there's some obvious good things to it. And there's obviously some bad things to that. Like I determine what's right and wrong. Uh, you know, how do I tell someone else, you know, something that is morally wrong is truly morally wrong. Like, how can I say what happened in the Holocaust was truly evil if it's based, if it's just all relative yeah. and it's all the same. Yeah. And I think that's why the gospel so offended is offensive is that it's saying that, look, things are not relative and it's not based on how you feel. And sometimes even if it does feel good, it still is wrong. And mm. so, and I think we talked about this right after church too, was uh, how do we have that balance? Because as Christians, I think a lot of people avoid this Yes, because they're like, dude, I, I'm not going to talk about homosexuality on Sunday. Like that, that, that's going to get me canceled so fast, yeah. which, you know, by the way, like I I'm already canceled. So it's fine. <laughs> It's fine for me, so I don't care. But maybe even, for you, I don't know. But even, but even many churches won't. And going along this, because we talk about this as well, churches won't talk about greed or lust or any of those things. I, I saw, I'm no joke. I saw a video the other day, and I couldn't believe it. It's from a, I won't say who it is, from a prominent pastor who said repentance didn't actually mean to turn away from sin. It meant like something about like trusting in Jesus, but there, there's this weird thing that we're trying to take. I mean, things that are clear, like guys, when it says repent, it means turn away from your yeah. sin. Yeah. It's not saying like, oh, like you have to like trust me more, or like no, like it's talking about your sin, dude. Like the first thing Jesus says is repent, the kingdom has come. That's the very first thing yeah. that came at the, at the start of his ministry, and people are just like. You're you're not only just avoiding the truth, but you're twisting the truth. Yep. And I I don't know. I, I mean, what do you think? Like, why why is that happening? It's it's an interesting question. You know, I think one of the things is that we are so worried. Let me say it this way: we are so worried because we I think we play a false narrative in our head that people are out there to cancel mm -hmm. us. I really do. I think it's I think it's a small minority of loud voices. And I think that the majority of people still uh, desire to find meaning in life. Yeah. And I think they still desire that this is not how it was supposed to be. And I think they still desire like, man, when I do this, I feel guilty. I, I do. I do believe that. Yeah. And so I think that I think that there is a, a false narrative within that. I think the church, they have this hard thing where Jesus never had a, a problem with this. Jesus would speak truth. And I, 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 I forget exactly what your line is, but. You, he would never, he would never let you oh, be the same saying. after you left him. Yeah. But he would never make you not know that he loves you. You're yeah. gonna say it better. Uh, well, I don't know about that. I'm not the most eloquent. I'm kind of a brute. But I mean, I, I, this is what we were talking about yeah. afterwards. Okay, now I remember. But I, I was talking about with Jesus and every Christian when you come in contact with a non-believer, is that with Jesus when he approached people that didn't trust in him, that didn't know him, that had questions, that had doubts. Uh, and that were outright hostile, you can never leave Jesus and logically conclude that he didn't care about you. But you can never, ever leave Jesus and think he condones my sin. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, again, let me say that again. You can never, ever, ever leave Jesus and think, wow, he condones my sin. You would never, ever come to that conclusion unless you have the IQ below room temperature. Well, you see it, religious or non-religious person. Yes. All of them. He yes. goes at them equal. But... I mean, I don't, I don't know. Maybe not because you see, like Matthew twenty three, he goes 
off on the religious yes, people. Yes, that's true. Yeah, I mean, right. he goes, and like the women at the well, like he knows. He calls it out. Yeah, he calls it out. He's like, you know, go get your husband. I don't have a husband. That's right. You have five. You know, you have five, or what is it, six or five? Well, and you're living with someone. I, oh, yeah, five. This is, and I love this story. You have five husbands, and you're living with someone right now. And that woman was a social, I mean, Jesus knew about her sin. Yeah. She never left and thought, wow, he's okay with me living with mm -hmm. six dudes. But she left there knowing how loved yeah. she is. Because especially that passage, it always tugs on my emotional strings. Because the numbers in the Bible have meaning. Six is incomplete. And she has six husbands. She realized, you know, if you come and drink this living water, sir, I want that. And she realized it's him. Mm -hmm. She realized what she's been looking for in men is really what she was, what she was looking for in men. She was, I don't know she, how to phrase it. Yeah, she, she would, she could only find in Jesus. Yes, she could only and, find in and, Jesus. And all, all of us. And, and, and that's what Paul's really saying here too. Yeah. And, and that story in particular, he's the seventh husband. Yeah. He's the true bridegroom. He's, the, he's saying, I'm the one that completes you. And, and yes, you're right. Paul is saying, this is the only way you're yeah. made right. Yeah. Is yeah. that, and that's the only way your restless heart can be, that can, can be just tranquil and settled, yeah. um, grasping the fact that you are so beloved yeah. and, accept, and accepted. Well, and going off that example, and I know we're jumping back into the, the gospel, and, and but it goes along with Romans. I have been so intentional lately um, in, in the last few years where I have been praying for the Holy Spirit to reveal in me what they want me to say to somebody. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because I do agree with you that that one of the reasons we back off of it as a church is because we um, we don't understand. I, I honestly think is that we don't understand the power is in people revealing how they're living is not the best life that God intended them to live. Yeah. And, and the repentance is actually a beautiful thing because it actually is. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you this way. Meg and I were just talking about this. We were just talking about my wife, Meg. She was saying, Kurt, are we practicing repentance in our life the way that Jesus wants to as leaders of the church? Does that make sense? Yeah. Because it, it isn't something that we talk about a lot in the church, even as church leaders. So not in a bad way, but I ask for forgiveness of my sin. But, it, but is it is it uh, am I on a daily basis repenting and turning myself away from anything that is ungodly? Yeah. And making it and giving it over to God in faith and stepping into that so that we set the example as a church as well. And I think that's one of the challenges with us is that we as a church um, and as people, we're not living our faith the way it was meant to be as well. Where we're in our own lives, maybe OK with sin. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and I think a lot of that comes from especially for believers. We really struggle with shame. Yeah. We really struggle with shame. I mean, because that's. I think that's why a lot of people, and that's why I, for a long time, avoided repentance, because yeah. I had so much shame about sin I was struggling with, yep. personally, publicly, and I just had a hard time repenting because I'm like, okay, I'm giving it over to God, and then I do the thing yeah, again, and sure. I'm like, oh my gosh, and I, I just love the fact that God has already calculated our stupidity, yeah, and and He's and like He gives me such an immeasurable amount of comfort that God's already factored in my stupidity, <laughs> and that He's already and He would still gladly go to the cross, knowing in the future that, oh, you know, like I'm gonna screw up over and over and over again, and He's still gonna save you over and over again because He's mighty to save. I mean, what it boils down is is this is the gospel is 
do you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and that you bring nothing morally to the table? Yeah. I mean, that's that's what Paul's getting at. He's like, oh, um, you know, where's then the boasting? Is it excluded on the principle of observing the law? No, by, uh, but uh, that of faith. It's not like, what do you have to boast in? Yeah. Do you bring anything morally to the table? Are you trusting in God? Do you know Jesus is your personal Savior? Do you know him as Lord? Do you know him as King? Or are you trying to bring something morally into the table to try and justify yourself so that you don't need Jesus? And, and what I love is, is Paul goes, this was in the sermon, but in Philippians, he says, hey, if anybody can boast, it's me. Like, yeah. I'll I, 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 run circles. You talk about that. that in the sermon. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't know. Did you read the Greek on Philippians 3 8? Uh, no. He says a really bad word. He does. He does. It's yeah. a really bad word. Uh, we can't say it. But we'll, we'll get canceled. Well, we'll you cancel can ourselves. say the Greek word now. If you have the Greek word, you can uh, look it it's up. Skukbala. Okay. All right. You know, so, so anyone who's going to Greek, Google I'm that. sorry. Real potty mouth. Yeah, this is a P, this uh, is a PG. Or Philippians this is a, three. Yeah. Yo, what is it? PG? It's PG. It's okay, PG. So right. you can Google it if you want. You know, we try and keep it real here. <laughs> yeah, Skukbala. It's where it translates to. I count all these things to be garbage yeah. in sight of the cross. Yeah. Um, it, he it's, uses, a, it's and, intense. Well, and he's getting to the point that, I mean, he's making a very drastic point and for a poignant reason, he's not just saying, you know, cuss word, cuss word, cuss word. He's, he's getting to a point like, Hey, this stuff really doesn't matter inside of the cross. Yeah. This stuff, I bring nothing with me. I have no other argument. I have no other plea. It's enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. Mm -hmm. Period. End of story. Yeah. And, and the, the interesting thing with it is for us that I think where it starts with us not being ashamed of the gospel is us getting repentant in our hearts because when we, when we're restored in the joy of his salvation, yes. like David says, Oh gosh, I love that verse. That's where everything flows out of. And I think that's where Paul's getting at it. He, he's saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't you know that we're all in this wrath, but we're saved by faith. And out of that, it should motivate us yeah. to share the gospel, to share our faith. And to say, hey, because because the other thing that we have the power, we have the power of is this is how I try to approach every conversation. All of us should when we talk with non-believers is uh, with non-believers is I'm right there with you. Does that make yeah. sense? Like it, you enter the conversation with that. And it, I honestly think it changes the atmosphere of the conversation. It, it absolutely does. Because I think the non-religious people will look at Christians like, oh, you just think you're better than everyone it, exactly. else. Exactly. And, and in some ways, we do carry that. You know? We do. And, and we have to really go on a mission and minister to ourselves and read books like Romans and have God, you know, kick us in the you-know-what and humble us because we did nothing to merit yeah. salvation. We did nothing to bring. We brought nothing morally to the table. Martin Luther said it best. The only thing you contributed to salvation is your sin. Mm. Oh, ouch, that hurts. Yeah. Ow. And, and I think, too, what Paul's saying, essentially, is that these people are lost and confused. You know, when Jesus looks to the crowd that's condemning him, he had compassion for them. For they're lost and confused without a, a shepherd. And he says, the harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Mm -hmm. And so we got to stop looking at people. It's like, oh, you Democrats. Oh, you Republicans. Oh, you Calvinists. Oh, you Arminians. Or, yeah. you know, whatever stupid, like, binary, like, fight that we create. Oh, there's the good guys and there's the bad guys. And, you know, we're for the good guys. Yeah. And there's no nuance. Like, no, like, Jesus says, like, it's either y'all are on my side or none of you are on my side. Mm -hmm. There's no, that's the only binary that exists. And so I, I just, 
I, I think with anything, we should view people in the lens of compassion, of love, and grace, but we also hold firm to the truth. I mean, this is what Paul gets at in verse chapter 3, verse 31. Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Do we just get rid of the law because mm. we just have faith? Do we not need the law? And he says, not at all. Rather, we uphold the law because we believe. We're accepted, therefore we obey. We don't obey to get accepted because I'm already accepted by him. That's the point. That's that's the big idea of Romans chapter 1, 2, and 3. And I think for so many of us uh, new to faith or people that have been uh, maybe even following for 30 years, the freedom of that statement is oh. powerful. And, I, and, I, and, I, and I'm renewing that in my spirit almost on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's, uh, again, another really good quote. I must use the gospel on myself daily for I forget the gospel. Exactly. Exactly. Because yeah. you step in that in that freedom. And, and I just think, I think that, I think there's something to it. And I want to say this, I think Christianity and our, our, our faith walk should look a lot more like working out than it does. And I think one of the things you say is like, the harvest is plenty and the workers are few. I know so many people, you know, I, I worked for Alpha for a number of years and I saw it true when we ran Alpha here and we're going to run it in, in a few months here. But um, the, the, the amount of people that would kind of ask somebody once and get shut down and it would just shut us down forever. Yeah. There is this nature of uh, you're going to st- throw some seeds, some seeds out there and sow some seeds and there w- may not be any fruit. And I think for us that we have to, when it says ashamed, I think that word is very powerful because it's pride that gets in the way yeah. of really sharing the gospel. And, uh, and, that, and that's hard. In and, and I think we, we, we believe that human beings can't change. We, believe, we don't believe in the power of God, that God can change them, rather. And I, I literally had a conversation with a student this morning who had just a blow up in my class, just went off the rails. And I pull in the hallway. He thinks I'm just going to crack him down. Mm-hmm. And I sit down with him. I'm like, listen, you, why are you out here? He's like, well, I'm distraction. I'm like, no, you're not a distraction. You are being distracting. There's a difference. That's One good. does not define you. You're doing an action. I was like, what? And I, and I, more or less, I have to be careful because I work in a public school. But I said, every kid that walks in here, in their eyes, has intrinsic moral value. I was like, do you know what that means? He's like, no. Of course, it's a ninth grader. Of course, they're not going <laughs> to know. But I was like, everybody has dignity. Everyone has meaning. You have a purpose. You have a glorious purpose. You were meant for something. You were made for something. And so I see you and I can see you doing great things. I don't know what those great things are, but you're destined to do great things. And really what the gospel gets gets at and really what I was thinking and why I believe that is because we're all made in the image of God. Mm -hmm. God has has foreordained us to do something great for him. God has foreordained us to do great works. Ephesians 2, 8 and through what, 11? Yeah, Ephesians 2, 11, that we're his workmanship, predestined before the foundations of the world. And so every eye you look, every person you talk to has intrinsic moral value. And that should humble you greatly until you realize who you're really talking to. Like somebody you think is the, the druns of society or whatever political party they affiliate, or you think they're a homeless person and they have no standing or whatever. Like you better believe God takes them so much more seriously than you do, sees them so more infinitely valuable than you see, like, I don't know, like the president or, you know, some billionaire or, or LeBron James, I, I'm just throwing out names. But I'm, I'm, the point is, is that everybody is made 
in the image of God. And anybody can, when they believe, become a child of God. And they become a walking stick of dynamite. So, beloved child of God, get out there and preach the gospel. Because people are, people, people, God is going to use you uniquely to bring people back into his family. And there are only some hands that you can hold. There are only some demons that you can cast out. Um, you're made to do this. So go do it. And don't worry about the results. No, I will take care of it. And and I just, I was praying as you were saying that and just feeling like the Lord is saying, and I think that the, the, the fear of being canceled, we'll use that language, um, is is not as prevalent as you think it is i think people yeah. will respect you i think if you do it in love i think i think there's, there's some people that will share it and, and may not maybe do it. maybe post a funny meme once yeah, in a while. yeah yeah <laughs> but 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 it, it, uh, these simple lies that hold us back just like my buddy kevin like he said when he was doing his drop five that i didn't think i was good enough and until somebody said what are you talking about we are all good enough and, and had a great conversation with his buddy and God makes us right. And because of that, because we're in right standing, it should give us boldness to share the power of the gospel. But I just think that we, uh, we think that anytime we have a, a, criti- a, a tough conversation, and that's part of it too, is us as believers, we shy away from tough conversations or we don't train ourselves in having tough conversations. Because yeah. this stuff will, like you say, might offend some people, but you can, you can say things that are hard and leave the conversation, even if the person disagrees with you, in a, in a way that that you both mutually. It, it's so true. And if we truly love people, if we truly want them to be saved, if we truly want the best for them, then we're gonna have hard conversations. There's no them. other way around. Like, if you love someone, like, can you imagine if with your spouse, for example, you don't have a hard conversation um, with them because you're afraid of you know getting canceled or you know her thing, like you don't really love your spouse. You have to have hard conversations. Are you having to discipline your kid? That's a hard conversation. Yeah. If you don't discipline your kid, you don't love them. Like Paul, or the author of Hebrews says that if you don't discipline your kids, like you don't love them. Like the fact that God disciplines you actually is proof that God loves mm-hmm. you, um, that you're actually his child because only fathers discipline their kids. Yeah. Um, only parents will discipline their kids. So, um, and it comes back to this idea of being unashamed. And the reason why you can be unashamed is that he is taking your shame away. Yeah. That's why you can be unashamed. But there's no, there's nothing holding over you. The, the jury's out. There's been full acquittal. 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 Was, acquittal. I was, it was, that's how you say it. Yeah. It just sounded weird when you came out. When I, came out, I it just, perfect. it's like, uh, you know, cool whip. You know what? Hey, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. at the 30, at the 38 minute mark, your words are getting, you know, we're getting a little uh, I'm tongue tied. Yeah. Exactly. I'm tired. You know, exactly. But, I, I just want to I want to reiterate the whole point of this first part of Romans is for us to understand that our citizenship, when we we have the citizenship papers and our say under grace, and because of under grace, it changes everything in our in our world because of just how we now are to live by faith. And um, you know, Romans four talks about it. He pulls out the big guns of Abraham. We're looking at Abraham, oh yeah, pulls out the big guns of David, and all of them uh, have have they don't live perfect and blameless lives. But because of their faith, because of stepping out in faith, because of believing and trusting, and we have to. And, and this is my fear. My fear is that in uh, the last two years of COVID, it could either be fear or it could be uh, uh, comfort. There yeah. is this malaise within the, the church as a whole. Here's, especially here's one for you. Convenience. Convenience. Ah, I know. Yeah. And so convenient. It's 
watch and, watch church. You know, in school, like online church school, but yeah. you know, put and, the slippers on, watch church. And I'm gonna I'm gonna call people out. You can you can hold me accountable. <laughs> Are you calling uh, me out? No, I just in general you should call e- even even the way we've set up church is not gonna work. How how churches grew in the 80s and 90s is not gonna work in the new era oh, of church. My, me and Dana, the only two, I think, paid people in the church, although we have a ton of ministers, uh, uh, people ministering the gospel, and we have the elders, and we have you sharing and teaching. We have the advisory council. We have Liz, who does so much. We have Diego and Meg. It's not the paid staff or the people with positions that are supposed to grow the church, and I'm not even talking about redeemed church. I want to make sure that we say that. That is bringing people into the kingdom of God and how it's always been meant to be is looking more like the church in Rome than the church like we usually do. We don't even want you to invite. Like when I say we're not ashamed of the gospel, I'm not saying invite people to church. I'm saying you share that God loves you, that you are, that there is right and wrong, that there is this thing where there is God who is going to have a wrath, but he has given you this great way to be right and right standing with him. It's simply by believing. And and if that person goes to Redeemed Church or any church, it doesn't matter we, because the stakes are too high. We don't care if you go to our church. We're Just not go, in go the church building. Amen. We're not in go the church building. church that believes in Jesus and loves the gospel. It's all, about the, it's all about the kingdom. And, and if, if we shut our doors today, but we mobilize 15, 20 people out there to be radical people who are sharing the gospel, on a daily basis and building relationships with people who desperately need the gospel. Like we, we would have done our job. Yeah. And, and that, and that's the thing, like even if redeemed church quote unquote fails, we don't get the numbers, yeah. the butts in the seat or whatever. As long as we're proclaiming the gospel, that is a success because the mission is not us. We're not leading this. Like no. I'm not the one ministering to people. Like you're yeah. not the, it's Jesus. It's the spirit that lives inside of me. That's doing this. And that's why churches, quite honestly, die out. So they're trying to do it under their own power. Or you go into that church and you're like, man, there's no spirit. There's nothing unique about this. Like, this is a dead church. Yep. Or they they compromise and they buy into, you know, the progressive gospel or the neoconservative gospel or whatever heresy. And they compromise because it's not enough what they're doing. It's not authentic. And so, I mean, if you don't have the Holy Spirit in this, if God's not directing this, Good luck. It doesn't matter what you do. You, your your ministry will be ineffective. Yep. And then, well, I think we can leave it at that. Yeah, that's good. Uh, check out Brendan's podcast. We'll put a link on the YouTube you. link. I and of course, man, uh, I that, this. Let's just play on this. Like once a month, yeah. you and I just I had to chatting. Twenty dollars for that plug. No, so it, yeah. Well, I'll demo you. Later. Well, you can get you can start charging me when uh, when you know you're you're looking for a big sponsor. Right. Yes. Yes. I was hoping, you know, rain energy drink, but I'll take redeemed shirts. All right. Perfect. <laughs> no, it's a great podcast where he he literally just tries to dig into, I, I would say, hot topics of today yeah. and just look at them biblically um, in, in a loving way. As I, I, would say. I, I yes, that's exactly what I try and do. And I, and I just try and talk about um, I go in depth. Yeah. So I, I'm a teacher. So I try and take the complex things and make them really simple. And sometimes you'll hear me rant and yell, and that's fine. You'll you'll love it. Trust me. I love it. Well, the 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 number of thing that we want to do as a church, and we said this, and I'll end on this, is to connect with God in our innermost being. And part of that is giving you all um, content that's just look really just on stage 
teaching 20 minutes a day or 30 minutes and once a week is not enough. It's really getting into the word and we're gonna have Brendan make sure that every so often he comes and helps us go deeper into the word. So thanks for that, man. Thanks, brother. All right, we'll, you. we'll see you next week. Take care, guys.